So let me get this just crystal clear. I have sex with a mother. I would never have sex with my mother. I would consider having sex with your mother. Do you think that's why people call me motherfucker? If I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It is May the 10th, and as of today, we have 4,131,034 worldwide cases of COVID-19 with 281,014 deaths. And I got a great show for you this week. <laughs> In the Devil's Advocate, I'm going to give you a little bit of, uh, a little bit of snippets of... Uh, I know I don't have to say this, but... In the Infernal Informant, I got two articles for you. The first is, this is how Mother's Day was born. And the second, we can't stay home, how America's poorest state is trying to reopen. And in the creature feature, I'm talking about what we do in the shadows. Oh, this is such a good series. And I've spoken to it uh, in the You, Me, and the Devil Makes Three podcast, but never in Nine Cents. And I can't believe that. And I love it so much. I'm going to bring it here too. Because why not? I do what I want. Whatever. That's how I roll. All right. So a <laughs> couple notes before we dive in. Um, <laughs> that's right, Jason. Uh, Behemoth, thanks so much for joining us. Valeria, how are you? Nefarious, it has been a while. It's good to see you, man. Um, again, thanks, Jason, for jumping in here. And Cameron, my man. My man. <laughs> I like the icons you're throwing out. <laughs> uh, Clinton, how you doing, man? Kyle, what's up? I know I'm early, people. I get that. Just, uh, you know, something you're going to have to deal with, me being early. <laughs> My wife got used to it pretty quickly <laughs> in our relationship. In fact, that might be why we have two kids. I'm not saying that for sure, <laughs> but maybe. All right, so Mother's Day. Today's Mother's Day. Uh, we basically took the load off my wife and did everything for her. And I remember why I have a wife. Because I don't like doing the things that my wife does. So I'm considering getting a sister wife to help my primary wife for Mother's Day. That, that would work, right? I figure she could help me. And then she could help her. And we could help each other. Uh, not bad, right? The only problem is I wouldn't want to have a kid, another kid, with the sister wife. Because... Then there's a whole other baby, youth, toddler, child thing that I just, I'm done. I'm done. As a grown man with two kids, I'm done with kids. So maybe the whole sister wife thing's a bad idea. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, we had a wonderful day so far, and we're about to finish having a wonderful day as soon as I'm done with this. But because I love you much more than I love my wife, <laughs> it's not true. It's not even close to being true, but she is understanding enough to allow me an hour to talk to you about randomness that I happen to want to talk about. <laughs> so it's okay. Asmodeus, how's it going? Why do you say Germany if you guys internally call it Deutschland? I talked about this on a previous episode, but I'm curious. Do you just, you're like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to say what you understand it to be so I don't have to have the conversation. It's like... If you spell your name differently, how many times do you have to correct people before you're just like, all right, whatever, just spell it however the fuck you want. Like, I, I, if you want to add in extra vowels or consonants, fine. Just, just let's move past this name spelling process because you're so tired of it, right? I imagine it's similar to that at least. Anyway. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, all right, so I want to let people know, uh, for those of you who have tuned in to the Netflix parties, I'm no longer going to be hosting Netflix parties. 
I don't really have a setup or a payoff for that statement. I'm just letting you guys know. Uh, I do want to say we just did earlier today a uh, like a half an hour book club. I've never been a part of a book club before, but this is a lot of fun for me. Like I'm really enjoying hearing other people's perspective. First of all, it's a great book we're reading. Um, and so that clearly helps. But everyone that is sharing their perspectives is slightly different than how I interpreted it. And I love that because then we get to relive the story through other people's eyes, vicariously through their own psyche. It's pretty cool. So I hope you, uh, I hope you dig it. All right. Um, if you're a part of it. Oh, yeah. And here's the other thing. For those of you who are like, hey, I would love to be a part of the book club and haven't showed up to either of the first two meetings, I'm going to kick you out of the group. It's not because I don't like you, because chances are I don't know you. Or if I do know you, I still like you. But I'm not going to have you hanging around in the book club if you're not a part of the book club. I'm only going to have people that are actually participating in the group. I hope you understand. Don't take offense. But maybe you should have fucking read. All right. <laughs> that, that being said, um, I am also making a website change. So I had purchased last year a membership and a subscriber plugin for the uh, website, uh, reverendcampbell.com. And that was so that at the time, it was going to take over Patreon and allow people to become paid patrons to my website, uh, helping me earn a little scrilla for the website on the side. Turns out, I hate doing that. I don't like it. It makes me feel terrible. And so I stopped it. But I kept it around so that people could be subscribers and see extra content that maybe uh, I didn't want the entire public to see, or maybe I just wanted to put some pay, um, content behind that wall in order to make people feel better about being a subscriber. All that's going the way of the dodo. I'm getting rid of all of it. The fact is, I have the membership in YouTube now, and so if you want extra video content, you got to sign up for it. And I don't think about it. It's not a part of my website. It's a part of YouTube's platform. They worry about it. And I don't care if anyone signs up or not, but that's where it's going to be. And so if you want to see all those old archives, and here's something that I didn't realize, but I was looking at my YouTube channel. I have almost a thousand videos on my YouTube channel. That's insane. The amount of content I have on my YouTube channel. That is crazy. I never thought about it. And most of it is hour long bits. That's incredible the amount of time that I've sunk into this damn monstrosity. I think in uh, the trapezoidal roast of me, Dan Arden said it best when he's like, you built a stage and now you can't get the fuck off of it. <laughs> well, clearly he was telling the truth and not a joke because I can't. <laughs> I'm stuck. How's it going, Brian? Uh, what's up, Sean? LA, nice. Hope the weather's all right. Connecticut. I always wanted to visit Connecticut. I don't know why, but I imagine it's a, a nice looking state. Clean. Lots of white folk in Connecticut. Like probably, I bet Connecticut has as much of a white percentage population as Utah. It just feels like you say Utah and you just get like white. Connecticut. That's definitely the same thing, right? Like you got holdovers from New Hampshire which is like this white supremacist state. And then, I don't know, maybe, whatevs. All right, that's going to do it. So anyway, my point of all that was that I'm going to be turning off the subscriber thing. So if you're going to notice that I'm canceling uh, whatever, that's why. It's not because I don't like you or I don't want to be part of your lives or anything like that. It's just that it's more of a hassle and it slows down my website when I could just get rid of it and use YouTube to do the same thing. So I'm going to. It's easy. Zombies. Nice. Uh, how about we dive into the devil's advocate, shall we?
All right, I don't have a video or an image for this conversation, and this is going to be a little bit tough. <sighs> but I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> because I think it needs to be said. Um, so there's a, a couple bullet points here that I'm going to be going through. Uh, the first one is the current financial state that people are finding themselves in. Um, and so if you find yourself right now after two months of not being able to work or not being able to work full time, then you may be one of the thousands upon tens of thousands across the uh, US and then millions across the world that are in very dire straits. Maybe you got laid off or maybe you voluntarily got laid off so that you could get uh, the um, uh, extra, uh, what is the <laughs> unemployment check? That is being sent out um, or maybe you just uh, aren't able to get unemployment because of whatever stipulation your individual state may have on unemployment the point of this part of the conversation is that you can't blame COVID-19 or the government for your inability to look ahead this is something that has bugged the shit out of me my entire life watching friends buy houses that they honestly can't really afford unless everything remains perfect or is always going to skyrocket better um, they buy a car that they know they can't afford but if everything this new job uh, or this new opportunity pans out they're going to be able to pay for it in spades and, and there's not going to be any issue they take financial risks without assessing the dangers and then they suffer the repercussions of it falling through. Or they don't save or plan at all. This drives me insane. The underlying comment of all of these discussion points are going to be responsibility to the responsible. Yes, everyone finds himself in a situation that they never could have planned for. But there are things that you can plan for, and people are not. They're making a conscious decision not to put money in savings. Or they're only putting money in the stock market, knowing how volatile the stock market is. It's up 500 points, and then it drops 800. And then they complain that they don't have any fucking money, or that they lost all their savings. But you did it! It was your fault! Or they get sick and suddenly now they're strapped with, you know, a few thousand dollar uh, medical bill that they can't afford to pay. You did it. You didn't set aside money in a savings account for just such an emergency. We have taught our kids at a young age to put away a third of their paychecks every single check they get. Whether they do that as adults or not is on them. But we told them to do it, and we taught them how to do it, and we forced them to do it until they're 18 and move off on their own and do whatever they want. We've instilled that underlying protection for them. You need to save money. Because if a pandemic hits and you're not allowed to work, you have to live off something. And I hate seeing people thrown out of their homes because they didn't think before they signed those loan papers or they didn't plan ahead or working shit jobs that they know are just month to month or week to week because they don't want to put in effort to do anything greater or not seeking further education in order to get a better position that has more stability. And again, this is not a one size fits all type of situation, but there are tens of thousands of people all across the country that just simply cannot afford and not even that i think it's like uh, like 55 or 65 percent of the population can't afford a 500 dollars unexpected medical bill 500 dollars. if you don't have 500 dollars in your bank or in your savings right now well let's ignore the the pandemic before the pandemic hit if you didn't have that well you're not managing your finances well enough and that means I don't want to hear you bitching about it. I don't want to hear you complaining that you can't pay your rent or you can't buy food because you didn't plan. Maybe, maybe you should make logical conclusions about life choices you're deciding on. Maybe we shouldn't have another kid because we quite frankly cannot afford it. 
maybe I shouldn't buy this thing because I don't have a firm grasp on my job. Maybe I should go to further education in order to get a better job. Or maybe if there are no jobs available for me to be able to save, I should get the fuck out of the town that I'm living in and move to an area that is more... has more opportunity. Uh, <laughs> the future is scary. Unless you plan for it. That's really all it takes is a little bit of foresight. And this is something that Satanists should do. Don't live in debt. It's a pretty simple concept. If you can't afford it, save up until you can. Or don't get it at all. My college professor told me that happiness was living within your means. So if you cannot afford any extracurricular curricular anything, then do not go to concerts. Do not go to clubs. Do not buy unnecessaries until you can afford them. I mean, it's really a simple, simple concept. And I know it's not fun. And I know it's not exciting. And I know living within your means can be frustrating. But it actually is going to lead to a better quality of life in the long run. So that when you do need that extra cash, you have it. So, concerning the pandemic. Yes, it hit a lot of people that could never have planned for it. But, if you have savings, it's not going to be so bad. If you don't have savings, that's your fucking fault. No one else's. Take responsibility. And I hope you learn from it. That was number one. We're going to do more than just number one. Number two, lack of food supplies and planning. Um, when the news started hitting that people were making a run on toilet paper, everyone made a decision. Either you're going to go and get enough to tide you for the next few weeks, or you're not. You're either going to buy into the hype and go and try to hoard, or you're going to stock up because you know you're going to need it, or you're just not going to worry about it. And there's people that ended up not having any fucking toilet paper because they didn't read the writing that was being written all over the wall, all over your computer screen, all over your TV screen, or all over your, uh, your phones. It was in your face. People are making a run for guns and ammo. Do you think maybe... You should have something set aside. People are making a run on meat. Meat is not available anymore. Well, perhaps you get more than just for that evening or just for that week. Maybe you get two weeks supply. Or if it's possible, get more than two weeks supply. Plan out your meals so that you can have enough to run two weeks or more. People always make fun, and I especially make fun of preppers that go way off the deep end. But there's no reason why you can't prep in the short term. It, you don't have to go out seven months worth of stock if you just go out a month. And instead of getting processed foods, get beans and rice and soup, stuff like that, that you know you can then turn into a meal, flour. Um... And so lack of planning and finding yourself without sufficient food resources, this is going to be a twofold reaction on my part. Because one, there are definitely um, food vacuums in this nation. Uh, people do not, they're called food deserts. They don't have uh, stock coming in for fresh vegetables and fresh fruits and fresh meats. And depending on where you live regionally in the state, if you're in a less wealthy area, the stores that are going to stock foods and, and such are going to be less quality. That's just a reality. In my city, there's a store just west of me that has really terrible products and older breads and milks. But if you just travel east a few blocks or more, they're actually to date. 
There are stores that have older supplies that people didn't buy, and then there's stores that have newer supplies. It's weird that we live in a world like this, but we do, and so you have to plan appropriately. You can't blame the government, and you can't blame your society on your lack of planning. So plan. And again, if you live in one of these areas that is a food desert, that you just simply cannot survive, you should have known that before this shit hit the fan. You should have known that you lived in these terrible places and that this was a situation because you're going to the grocery store every week or so. So maybe make a plan, make a budget, figure out how to get out. Um, you're going to see a thread going through this of planning. This is what Satanism is all about. Not planning, but looking to the future and making goals. You cannot get that girl you've been chasing or get that promotion you've been chasing if you don't have a house to live in or shelter above you, you know, people rent and stuff. Um, or if you don't have food in your stomach. You need to have savings. And believe it or not, as shallow as it is, sometimes money is an aphrodisiac. <laughs> I mean, look at our president's wives. <laughs> you think they get him because, or they, they enjoy being with him because of his looks? No, it's because of the front he puts about the financial stability he's in, which is a lie. But still, that's what they believe. That's why they go for him. And he's just one example of men all across this world, and even women who have money, that hence get the young, attractive people to flock to them because of that. It's an aphrodisiac. So save. It helps. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I don't... I. I think that might be the case, Jordan. Money is the difference between an 8 and a 10. <laughs> I would argue in a lot of these really super wealthy gentlemen's case, it's the difference between a 2 or a 1 and a 10. Because some of these guys are grisly, like old nasties. You know, you would, you would if they were not in an Italian suit, think that they were just bums on the side of the street. That's how nasty they look. But they're Fortune 500 entrepreneurs. <laughs> you know, they're, they're successful businessmen. They played the stock market well. They inherited money. Uh, all the reasons. But yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, okay, so lack of food supplies and planning, that's your fault. That's not government's fault. That's not society's fault. That's not your state's fault. That's your fault. You have to make a decision as an adult where you're going to live in life. I ended up coming back to Utah because I love it here. And it allows me to live happily within my means. Um, this one's going to be a little bit tough, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Death of a loved one. Uh, when I was in high school and my friend committed suicide, I went, I sort of spiraled out. I've told this story a lot, so I'm sorry if you have to hear it again. Um, I spiraled out pretty hard, acted out, um, Plus, you know, hormones, youth, I was in that age anyway. Um, it got to a point where, thanks Clinton, I appreciate that, man. Where a, um, a cop was called to take me to a psychiatric hospital. And so when he showed up and he was like, hey, what is your problem? Why are you acting like this? Why did you try to stab your brother with a, a, a kitchen knife? And I was like, my friend killed himself. And... I'm frustrated and I'm angry. And he's like, no one gives a fuck. No one cares that your friend killed himself. That is no reason for you to treat other people the way that you are treating them. And I stopped for a second and I thought, holy fuck. He's absolutely right. No one cares that my friend killed himself. Most of the kids at school don't give a fuck. A lot of his friends didn't really care. Uh, my neighbors don't give a fuck. My parents didn't give a fuck. No one cared. So if your loved ones die, don't expect other people to sympathize or empathize with your situation. Yeah, it sucks. Loss sucks. To those who are close to it. But it does not excuse your behavior towards other people. 
because you're hurting inside does not mean you have this carte blanche card to act like an asshole to everyone else. We live in a society. And if you don't like that, well, that's fine. But you're going to be treated like the shithead that you're acting like. Everywhere in life, no matter what you do or where you go, you are treated in the manner that you present yourself. It's lesser magic. Loss is not a reason to act like a fool. Mourn. Take the time you need. Understand and accept it and process it, however long that takes. But don't project it on others. That's your trauma that you have to deal with, not us. And it goes the same for me. It goes the same for everyone. Um, it, you, you're absolutely right, Zachary. Most people don't care about most things. And that's just the reality. Most people in today's culture, and I can only speak to today's culture, but arguably in previous cultures, we're the center of our own movie, of our own universe. No one else matters as much as we do. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I, as a Satanist, think that's a pretty damn good way to live because I'm always going to focus on how I can be the best version of me. And by doing that, it then projects outward to those whom I love and respect, to the family that I've chosen or I'm cultivating. And they all benefit if I am stable and happy or in a good financial position. If I'm acting like an asshat, well, then they're not going to want to be around me. And that could ultimately be counterproductive and hurt me in the long run or the short term, short term. So um, loss is painful and it sucks, but it is your burden to bear. Don't expect others. Don't be solipsistic. Don't expect others to feel the same way you do about anything. All right, here's another one. Frustration with the herd or the government. Um, here's the government one that really bugs me. People complain about the government. Uh, and rightfully so. It is fucked up. It is thoroughly fucked up. But when people are given an opportunity to change that, they refuse to. They absolutely refuse to. I think it was like over 90% of the people that could vote in the last election didn't. 90% did not vote in the last election. And now we're suffering the consequence of that action. Or if for some reason you think that things are glowing, then congratulations, we're doing wonderful because of it. Uh, but objectively, we're in a very terrible place right now. Um, and no, you can't blame all of that on your local or state or national government but it plays a large role and in fact your local votes matter more than your national votes so don't complain about that which you need not subject yourself if you don't want to be in the society then get out and you won't complain about it but if you're going to complain about it and you have the opportunity to change it and you don't take that opportunity you're to blame you're the problem. And let's stop with the fucking shit talking of the herd. I've already done entire shows on the base idea of humanity and my utter indifference to the majority of it. But I hear so many people, and it's not just Satanists, people in general, talking shit about society. All the while, somehow forgetting that you're part of that same society, you dumbass. You're part of the herd. You may see yourself separate from it, but so does every single other person. And so everyone within that herd, every little sheep in there who is saying the herd sucks, somehow is unaware that they are surrounded by the same sheep that they're complaining about. You're part of the fucking problem, man. You're exhibiting the same exact behaviors that you're complaining other people are behaving with. You are doing the same things that you're bitching about. Now, this isn't always a bad thing. I mean, I'm all for the duality of man. Hypocrisy is only bad if it hurts. But maybe a little bit of perspective goes a long way. 
It's going to help you with lesser magic for one, being aware of the reality of yourself and your actions in compared to commenting on others. You can't complain about someone acting like an asshole and then act like an asshole yourself. Now, objectively, in reality, yeah, you can. But that's why people call you an asshole. <laughs> that's just the way it is. You don't want to be called an asshole? Stop acting like an asshole. Or if you don't care, then continue on. Do your thing. There's no right or wrong here. There's just reality. And reality is you are exhibiting behavior that you complain about. I guarantee it. I do it too. I'm not exempt. We all do. It's a human condition. But again, being aware is one step to changing things if you want to. Um, you really can't entirely leave society. You're absolutely right, Zachary. There are places that you can go to limit your exposure to it. Um, there are still states with very wide open spaces where you can be alone. Uh, there are other countries that you can escape to that have more space than some, you know, regional areas uh, in Europe or Americas. Um, if you do want to be separate, you can become entirely or mostly separate. And in fact, there's some people that argue over natural citizenship. And so they're actual, they live in our country, but they do not obey the laws and they are not subject to the laws because they're naturalized. Uh, they're natural citizens of the, like the earth. I mean, they, there's like whole, um, it was a documentary I think I saw on it um, where he was going, there's a guy who just refused to obey laws and just lived off the land. And he went through the uh, legal system and ended up being left alone entirely because he could live on his own and he didn't want to engage with society and he didn't want to obey the laws. And he's a human being. And if you fight anything enough, people will ultimately relent. That it, you, know, you have to be able to go long-term, but it happens. It's rare, but it happens. Um, or if you're just off the grid. Norway's like that. Um, okay, and so through all of this, this is actually a very long diatribe of mine. Through all of this, the bottom line that I want to instill is these are things that you already know. I don't have to tell you them. It gave me some content to talk about, which is why I'm telling you about them. But ultimately, if we can objectively own our own behavior, recognize it first, own it second, then we have the opportunity to change it if we don't like it. If we're not aware of it, one, we're not really understanding why people are treating us or engaging with us the way they are, but we also can't change what you don't know. And that's going to hinder your progress as an individual. And that's the goal of Satanism is being the best version of you that you can be. Um, so responsibility of the responsible is the underpinning line. Just because you are a Satanist does not mean that you deserve anything or that you've earned anything simply because you read a book and identified it with it. It just means you read a book. That's all it means. And in some cases, it doesn't even mean that. <laughs> Sad to say. Some people don't even read the fucking books. They just see the moniker and they're like, yeah, I'm evil. <laughs> So it's just, the, it's the reality. You know, that's what people are. They're lazy. They're stupid. Me too. Um, but we can be better. So let's be better. All right, let's do a little Infernal Informant. Uh, so I want to make a comment from the chat room before I uh, dive into this next uh, little bit here. But I want to throw this image up real quick for this next, uh, this first article I'm going to talk about. Uh, so Jason said in the chat, this next one is about the same and it feels like we're going to, we're just being led by the color politically per se, really. Either vote for a clown or a hair sniffing old man with a failing mind. 
Here's my problem with that. We had primaries. And the people in those primaries picked Biden. So this is what the Democratic Party wanted. The By and large, the mass majority of the Democratic Party wanted that dude. I don't agree with it. I think it's insane. But I also think our current president is insane. And I don't agree with that either. That's why it's so important to be involved in primaries. Because if you're not, then you're stuck with what other people want. But if you're involved in primaries, then maybe you get a candidate you actually like. Imagine that. Imagine if you had a candidate. If you like Trump, you are a lucky son of a bitch. Because he's the primary candidate and the current president. If you like Biden, you are a lucky son of a bitch. I don't, and so I don't understand it. But I would like to one day be in a position where I don't have to choose a lesser of two choices. I would like to be in a position to choose something that actually is nice. That I would enjoy having in charge. That's why I vote locally. That's why I'm engaged in primaries. And that's why I'm hoping that through what I'm doing, someday I'll have a fucking happy feel-good about voting. <laughs> but if I didn't, my state would never make a choice that I wanted. I would just have to cross my fingers and hope for the best. No, be involved. Yeah, and Cameron, you're absolutely right. We need to break out of this right-left uh, Republican... Democrat dichotomy. We have to if there are candidates that you like in those other parties. <laughs> That's just it. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get on that uh, political diatribe. I want to talk a little bit about how Mother's Day was born. That's right. Uh, it was through a vagina or a cesarean. Ultimately, everything was. I don't know why people say chicken or egg. It's stomach or vagina. Like that's Actually, that doesn't even make sense at all. It's baby or vagina, <laughs> not chicken or egg. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the suffragist and writer Julio Ward Howe first suggested the idea of Mother's Day in the United States in 1872. Howe was a pacifist and saw the holiday as a chance to unite women and rally for peace. For several years, she held an annual Mother's Day meeting in Boston. There's, um, <laughs> there's a, a pretty vocal community online that are fervently anti-feminist. I don't personally understand it. I accept that they exist. In the context of Mother's Day, you can bet that there are going to be people that are like, oh, why should mothers have a day on their own? Even though there's a Father's Day, even though women get shit on in almost every society for all of mankind, some dude is going to bitch about it. Inevitable. But we got to stop pretending that all women are great. Because I'm sorry. Not all moms are good. Some moms abuse their children. Some moms murder their children. Some moms are indifferent to their children. There are entire cultures of motherhood based around physical or psychological abuse. And it's just like, oh, yep, that's my mama. So we got to stop pretending all moms are great. I am fortunate. I had a psychologically damaging mother, but she wasn't physically abusive. And I was capable of unwinding the knots that she wound in my brain. So I'm fortunate. But not everyone is. Some parents rape their children. So let's just stop with the all mothers are heroes and all mothers are great. So when I'm talking in the context of celebrating mothers and Mother's Day, I'm only talking about the indifferent and good ones. <laughs> That's as good as it gets with me. All of you other mothers, fuck off. Because <laughs> you shouldn't even be mothers. Hands down. You should not. <laughs> so just, I want to make sure that's out there. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay with the nationally mandated celebration but I'm going to carve out who is who I'm celebrating. You know, I'm going to go like cut around the bad ones in my uh, in my 
puzzle or, or whatever. I don't know. Um, anyway, so, uh, however, West Virginia activist Anna Jarvis is credited with creating the holiday that is celebrated today. In 1908, Jarvis campaigned for the national observance of the holiday in honor of her mother, who was a community health advocate. Her mom had organized several Mother's Day work clubs and addressed child rearing and public health issues, and Jarvis wanted to commemorate her and the work of all mothers. Uh, this is from a CNN article, of course, it's following history. So. However, Jarvis later became disillusioned by how floral and greeting card companies commercialized the holiday and said she regretted starting it. That's a tough stance. You go out on a limb to start something up and then it becomes a capitalist venture as everything in humanity does. And you're like, huh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? All right. Um. It became an official U.S. holiday in 1914 when President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as a day of public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. Insure.com's Mother Day Index, which assigns an annual salary to the work that moms do at home, was valued at $93,920. That represents a 32% increase over last year because of all the extra work moms have had to do during the coronavirus pandemic. Again, the... <laughs> Some men are the caregiver, primary caregivers in households. We, we, we're still latching on to this weird um, caveman tribal relationship structure that was actually invented by advertising in the 1950s. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this uh, in Lions, just as an example. Uh, it's the woman that goes out and hunts saying we pretend like all of nature is the woman being the primary caregiver and the man going out and hunting no no that's a lie that's what we made up that's what men made up so that we could keep women subservient to us it's true it's a reality you don't have to hate it or like it but it's a manufactured reality not all species are this way. We were not always this way, and regionally, we're not this way. So there's not one good and one bad way of doing things. Uh, so, I, you know, I get that, you know, mothers earn or, or do X amount of work throughout their lives as the token version of a mom, which some women do, and most religions propagate this idea, um, but it's not a reality. Not for a lot of them. Um, men are lazy and they like to have their way. <laughs> I'm one, so I know. <laughs> and I have eyes, so I know. Uh, and women just do it because it won't be done otherwise. So for that alone, we should have a Mother's Day. <laughs> because thank you for picking up our shitty underwear and washing them because we are too fucking lazy on a whole to do that. Again, not one size, uh, one size does not fit all. Uh, yeah, Lawyer's Day. After this pandemic, we're going to have a Lawyer's Day. They're going to be like, guys, we can't handle all the divorces. This is insane. You need to show appreciation to us. Um, and we will, because they just, <laughs> even after their cuts. Uh, so on Sunday, it's mom's turn to be taken care of. So yeah, what do you guys do for Mother's Day? Um, we usually just take the load off of uh, my wife, meaning we do things that she normally does and we share with her how much we appreciate and love her today. And usually it's like one of those holidays that I actually call my mom. We didn't see eye to eye as a kid. I was ostracized from my family for years because I'm a Satanist. They couldn't accept it. They still probably can't, but they swallow it because they want to see me. I, on the other hand, can kind of do without, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really need them. But I feel obligated on birthdays and holidays to give him a call to say, hey, I love you. Thank you for being my mom. Thank you for pushing me out of your vagina. It was awesome of you. I appreciate you not killing me or abusing me. Um, thanks. And we ended up talking for like 45 minutes, which for me is about 40 minutes longer than I am comfortable with. It was a rough conversation. Like I love her. Of course I love her. She's my mom. And I don't mind talking with her, but you can tell this was a current pandemic conversation. Like, 
in in when you're in a pandemic situation, every phone call is like you haven't seen humanity in the past decade. And you're just like, another human, I must share my thoughts and experiences of every last moment with you. And that's exactly what this phone call was. It was just like, holy shit. Ugh. I just, I didn't, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't a terrible conversation, but it was, it was rough. It was rough. All right. So that's Mother's Day. I hope you guys had a good one. And if you're a mommy, be a good one and earn it. Or don't be a mom at all. It's a choice. It is actually a choice. You can choose not to have a baby. You can choose to get rid of the baby before it's a baby. You can choose to adopt the baby out. You don't have to be a mom. If you don't think you're fit for it, don't do it. There's contraception. There's birth control. There's sterilization. You have options. I heard pulling out or right after sex, like doing jumping jacks or standing on your head helps. It's not true. I hope you don't take that as truth. That's about as true as drinking bleach to cure yourself of coronavirus. So, you know. <laughs> Zach. Nice. Um, okay, everyone. Let's do this next article here. I'm sweating. This is a hot shirt I'm wearing. It is like thicker than I anticipated. Oy vey. It's killing me. All right, hold on. I'm trying. Open up. Okay. This is from The Guardian. We can't stay home. How America's poorest state is trying to reopen. Mississippi has taken a cue from Trump and is attempting to reopen while this week the state reached its highest numbers of coronavirus cases and deaths. But the president says, okay, so let's just go ahead and do it. <laughs> to the north, towering hotels and casinos, lights dim, doors shut, a sign of a once booming tourist industry that evaporated overnight last month. To the south, turquoise sea and white sands. Hundreds of sunbathers enjoying recently reopened beaches. In this medium-sized city, known for its hedonistic nightlife and its seafood, most reopening is done by halves. Republican Governor Tate Reeves allowed restaurants to host dining in half capacity, retail stores to reopen with restrictions up to 20 people, and to gather in... Uh, with up to people to gather in groups outside. Three days before the governor's latest guidance, Mississippi announced its highest number of daily cases and deaths. Other states in the South, including Georgia, Texas, and Florida, have also moved to open despite growing numbers of cases. Reeves is taking cues from Donald Trump, who has encouraged states to open in the face of the White House task force guidance. That's right. The administration's own White House task force dealing with this pandemic said do not open your state and the president was like or you could just open it it's good let's open it <laughs> no one is driving this ship we have a toddler with a crayon and not like a small thin normal crayon it's like one of those big fat ones just drawing out plans for the future <laughs> it's insane it's insane why did he create the task force if he's not going to listen to it or he's not going to allow states to make their own mind up? He has to inject his own opinions as if he has any, any basis for any knowledge at all. He's a failed businessman. He was propagated by uh, fans of his manu the, the manufactured image of him having money. That's how he got in the White House. That and uh, some pretty heavy uh <clears throat> social media fights anyway i'm not going to get off on the trump tangent uh if you like him you're a lucky son of a bitch <laughs> okay um earlier this week leaked guidance from the federal centers of disease control prevention the cdc indicated that the move to open up should lead by one june to the uh could lead by the 1st of June, to a daily death toll across America of 3,000, an increase of 70% in the current rate. Tens of thousands in Biloxi, where 25% of the economy depends on tourism, suffered the same fate, losing their jobs and suffering. Mississippi is America's poorest state, 
before the pandemic, 20% lived below the poverty line, and 600,000 of 2.9 million residents had limited access to health, healthy food. Food desert. Quote, I don't have time to worry about it. I have to take care of my family. I just need to lay my faith in God, says one resident. That's why you're a poor, miserable son of a bitch, is because you're putting your faith in an invisible, manufactured deity. Congratulations, you are fucking stupid. Fucking people, man. Put your faith in God. Uh, the cure should not be worse than the problem, is a catchphrase Trump has used and is being parroted all around the country. The cure should not be worse than the problem. The cure, meaning social distancing and staying indoors when you don't need to be out, should not be worse than the problem of the pandemic. Well, if you social distanced, you wouldn't then catch a virus and have the opportunity of getting ill or dying. So it's not. So maybe it's an illogical phrase that you fucking idiots who parrot in order to prove some preconceived notion of justified uh, opinion is just a manufactured fucking lie. It's not real. It's not right. And you sound fucking stupid saying it. Or is it referring to the potential downfall of the economy? See, here's what I don't understand, is if you go out and work and you catch the virus and you get sick, you're not going to then be working. If you die, you're not going to be working and earning income. And you have the added benefit of passing it to your loved ones. So how is it not better to have thought ahead and have savings and stay the fuck away from people? Now, <laughs> I'm a fucking hypocrite because I wear a mask when I go in public, but I go in public. Uh, I go out in the mountains and hike and there's other people out there most of the time. So I'm around other people. I go to the mailbox and I put mail in the mailbox and I touch it, not knowing who has touched it before, whether or not, but I take precautions. I have a face mask and I wash my fucking hands. But there are people who don't and won't. And they're still complaining as if we're not actually living in a worldwide pandemic. Well, guess what? You're part of the fucking problem then. And we will probably, as the CDC is suggesting, have an increase of cases, meaning an increase of infections, increase in sickness, and increase of death. Because we're not listening to the scientists and medical professionals who we put in place to take their advice, supposedly. <laughs> what is going on? It's craziness. All right. I understand the frustration. I'm frustrated as shit, too. But just be responsible. Trump says we have to be warriors on Wednesday. We can't keep our country closed down for years. It's been two months, dude. Not years. Your hyperbole is not helping. Two months is not years. Shut the fuck up, you orangutan. Leah Campbell, a frontline healthcare worker and community organizer with the Poor People's Campaign, says... People are making a willful decision to put other people at risk. And I've seen the consequences of doing that, Campbell said as a gentle breeze wafted over her garden. If they've seen what I have, I think their behavior would be different. See, if you're a frontline healthcare worker and you're witnessing people dying alone, you're going to have a different perspective than the dude that's been binging uh, trailer park boys for the past two months. And so understandably, they're going to say, yeah, you should probably stay inside. Whereas the dude binging Trailer Park Boys is just frustrated because he can't get his rocks off and he needs to go out. Well, guess what? That's fine. Take precautions or you could suffer the consequences. Now, here's the rub. If it didn't affect other people because of your stupidity, I would say go to church. Go out. Go play. Have fun. Frolic with all the other people. Do your thing Go on. But the problem is it does affect other people by an order of magnitude. So, you know, you're just being an idiot and an asshole, an idiotic asshole. 
<laughs> That's what you're doing. All right. And I get it. There's no easy answer because the reality is, is if you're not working, you can't earn money. If you didn't think ahead, you cannot save. So you are literally without food and possibly without shelter. That's a reality that people are facing right now. Um, refer to the devil's advocate earlier. That's going to do it for this. Um, uh, Dog, I actually, I'm, I'm not against the idea of a UBI. I, I really do think that, um, you know, some states have some similar systems in place and we have a welfare system that would be nearly entirely eliminated, if not entirely eliminated, if we did have a UBI, which would then save the society a lot of money. And it would help people in really bad circumstances like the ones we're in right now. So having a national healthcare system and a UBI, meaning the government that we are paying to exist has a baseline of support for us if shit hits the fan, is not a radical idea. It makes perfect sense to me. I don't understand why people are like fighting that idea. It's, it's not going to be something that you're going to be living high on the hog off of. It's a baseline just so that if you cannot work for whatever reason, you're not going to be homeless and you're not going to be able to aff not afford food. It, it's just, I don't know. It, it just makes sense to me, but whatever. Let's do a little uh, creature feature here. This time, we're going to be having some fun because <sighs> maybe one of the greatest series in the past five years or more, even though it's only two seasons in right now, one and a half. What We Do in the Shadows. It premiered March 27th, 2019 on FX. It was based on the 2014 film of the same name, written by Clement and Taika Waititi. What We Do in the Shadows is based on a feature film by Jemaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. It returns for its second season this year, documenting the nightly exploits of vampire roommates Nandor, Kayvan Novak, Nadja, Natasha Dimitrio, Laszlo, Matt Berry, and Colin Robinson. My which they always, like everyone else is Nadja or Nandor or Laszlo, but Colin Robinson is always Colin Robinson. He's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, and he's played by Mark Proshk. Sorry if I'm massacring these names. Uh, as they navigate the modern world of Staten Island with the help of their human familiar, Guillermo, uh, who's played by uh, Harvey Gulen. Clement created the series with uh, Waititi and Paul Simmons, or Sims, and it is executive produced with Scott Rudin, Garrett Bash, Eli Bush, and Stefani Robinson. What We Do in the Shadows is produced by FX Productions and Stars. Uh, I've already mentioned that. According to Jermaine Clement, they stay pretty basic 70s and 80s vampire rules with a little bit of the 30s. They can turn into bats. They can't go into sunlight. They don't sparkle in the sun. They die. Uh, they have to be invited in. In a lot of literature, vampires have to be invited into private buildings, but this is a documentary, so the real rules, which means they have to be invited into any building if they're going to film in it. The main influences on the series are Fright Night, Martin, The Lost Boys, Nosferatu, Interview with the Vampire, Vampire's Kiss, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. The song used in the opening credits is You're Dead by Norma Tanega. Principal photography for the first season took place in October 22nd to December 18th, 2018 in Toronto, Ontario. Writer-producer Paul Sims said the series does not use CGI effects. Quote, there's no fully digital characters or anything like that. One of the movies we really talked about a lot when we were conceiving the show was Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, where he went back to really doing as many effects as possible in camera and figuring out creative ways of doing that. 
Cinematographers D.J. Stipson and Christian Spranger's influences for the series was to work with Michael Balhaus and production designer Thomas E. Sanders on the Coppola-directed Bram Stoker's Dracula. Quote, we referenced that film for the general sumptuousness of the vampire's mansion, which was our main set. Our take, however, was that the Staten Island vampires have let their place go. The former glory is evident, but now exists in a worn, faded, and distressed state. Um, what We Do in the Shadows is one of the most brilliant comedies around. Um, and it's not because it's just a slapstick comedy, which it very much is very slapstick. It's because it plays with this vampire mythology as well. It has cameos from amazing actors regularly. It builds on stories set out from the original film that was released, which is fantastic. And it's genuinely really funny. Like, you're transported into this entirely different world. It's not in the future. It's not in the past. It's a version of modern-day Staten Island, but in a very, very funny way. I have complaints about this latest season. Not big complaints, but complaints nonetheless. Um, I am of the mind that characters should have growth. They should not revert. If they do revert, there should be a real reason for that. It seems like in this latest series, um, especially Nadja, has gotten stupider, um, more foolish and gullible than they should be if they were century-old beings. I mean, if you've... If you've lit children born in this era who are just given tablets, figure them out. Why wouldn't a vampire who has lived through the creation of this technology understand that I, and that's what really kind of gets under my skin is that they play the tropes of well they're super old so they're super dumb well that's a funny grandparent trope but almost every grandparent is using technology now right now yes it was new to them but once they're instructed in it then they know how to do it and so they do it. So if you've been exposed to all technology for as long as that technology has existed and you still are acting like a fucking idiot, I don't know. It, it can get under my skin. And no, Cameron, goddammit, that mailer demon joke was funny, but that scene is what I'm talking about. Them not understanding email drives me insane. I get it's a hook for a sh an, as an episode, but come on, come on. And Nadja is just, she's getting stupider and stupider as, as we're more exposed to her, and she shouldn't be. She's a great character, played by an amazing actor. Ah, it drives me crazy. That being said, I still really enjoy it and look forward to it every single week. It is so incredibly entertaining. I can't even express it. Like, I, I see, because I get alerts for it, because that's how obsessed I am about it. As soon as it's published to Hulu, um, I get the alert, and I'm just like, honey, it's here, it's here, we can watch it now. It's that good. So, and, and here's the deal. I'm more of a vam uh, werewolf guy than a vampire guy. It, that's why it took me so long to even watch the film that Cameron and his wonderful wife bought me, forcing me to watch it. Um, like it's, it doesn't matter if you like vampires or not. It's great. And just as an aside, um, I didn't watch it because the, uh, when I first saw some trailers and stuff, it reminded me of some other things, uh, that I just would rather not be reminded of that quickly goes away. So whatever my point of saying all this, whatever preconceived notions you have about vampires or, um, uh, settings or a tonal um, presentation put all of those aside because this is some next level funny shit like and, and I'm being 100% serious about this uh, it is thoroughly entertaining and I highly recommend it what we do in the shadows it is playing right now season one is available on uh, FX on Hulu season two is in the middle literally we're in the middle of it right now um, and you should definitely check it out if you haven't yet. <laughs> and you will thank me, and then by proxy, you can thank Cameron because he introduced it to me, who is now introducing it to you. So do yourself a favor 
and laugh. It's good for you. So is orgasms. If you can watch it, have an orgasm, and laugh at the same time, I think that's the cure for coronavirus. I really do. Wait, no, they found that sperm or semen has coronavirus in it if you've been infected, even if you're cured. So wear a condom and orgasm. Or orgasm by yourself. You don't have to have a partner. You can do it by yourself, right? Figure it out. You can figure it out. People, people have figured it out for ages, at least for a decade. So I'm pretty sure you can figure it out too. All right, that's it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know I go off on these stupid rants, and I know you're probably sick and tired of me talking about politics, uh, but we're kind of in the middle of a lot of it right now, so I don't know what to say, you know? I mean, every anything we're going to talk about is going to have some political angle to it. Um, and the point of this show is a satanic perspective of our modern world. We're living through a pandemic. I have to talk about it. We're living through a presidency that's unlike any we've seen <laughs> and our parents have seen before. So we have to talk about it. And I, I try to bring other news stories and I try to bring other topics and, and entertainment bits to the forefront so that you can escape it if you want to as well. But I'm sorry, I have to talk about it at least a little bit. So thank you all so much very uh, uh, for tuning into the live chat. That means a lot to me. And for those who come and go over the years, that's fine. I appreciate the time and attention that you give me when you have an opportunity or uh, when your life affords you the opportunity. Thank you for that. If you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com or read the Satanic Bible and the Satanic Scriptures. If you want to support this show, you can subscribe to it, sign up to the email list and get alerted whenever I'm going to have another show and find out who I'm going to be speaking to and what I'm going to be speaking about. And that's it, everyone. Have a fantastic evening. Go give your mom a hug as long as she didn't abuse you. And uh, don't forget to hail Satan.